Before we officially get started, I want to remind everyone that the IB Network podcast feed is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. We would appreciate it if you would subscribe to the network as well as rate review and leave comments um please subscribe so that you could be notified for new podcasts we would also appreciate if you followed ib sports on all social media including facebook instagram and twitter we have a facebook group uh with a premium membership this allows your post to go through without admin approval it allows you to be commissioner for the day levy fines you also receive gambling picks and so much more and with that we are back with another episode of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast. I am your host, Ravishing Ronell Tinsley. With me, as always, my six-man tag team championship partners, Chief Keith Fleming and Shooter Sam Howe. Brothers, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's a little chilly out here in California already. It's... uh. I saw went up to about fifty miles north, uh, where a friend of mine lives on a ranch. They had snow. First time I've seen snow in three years. So it's, I don't uh, do cold weather. That's why I live in the south, man. It, it was <laughs> it was seventy three today here. So I'm uh, in New York and it was seventy three. Was it really? It wow. was. It was warmer in New York than it was in Los Angeles. It was sixty seven here today. I mean, we got Augusta this week though, so I mean, it can't be too cold because you know. We're we're gonna be taking that that trip down Magnolia Lane uh, on Thursday. I'm I'm so excited. It's a huge golf. Yeah, fan. and I'm pretty sure that you and Alan have already teed up the uh, podcast, and you know I can't wait to see who you guys got going. And I'm pretty sure you guys. Spoiler: will... Tiger Woods. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I blame you. Is he not the defending champion? He is. I, 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 we were actually just talking about this before you hopped on that I, I'm not going to officially pick him on the podcast. I, I do like him in DraftKings lineups, but he just he, he hasn't played a lot this year. I don't know if it's injuries or what. And then his form has not been great. And, uh, you know, I did pick him last year for like my official pick to win the tournament. Um, but there was reason to have confidence because he, he had been playing well. He had a lot of things trending in the right direction. It's just going to be really difficult for him to kind of find magic out of nowhere and then on mm-hmm. top of that he's got to beat all these young guys which the tour is as loaded as it's ever been with guys in really top form don't get me wrong i'd love to see it and it's like what i tell people if i don't pick him and he wins that's still great i'm still gonna be rooting like hell for him uh but i just i i don't see him this week but i do like him on DraftKings because he, he's he's definitely gonna make the cut i mean he could play and that tv will love it as long as he's in the top 10 on the leaderboard because that means ratings 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 that's right I think Sam, the how are you are doing be today, through brother? the roof either way, though. I am interested to see that, especially with like the NFL and stuff. It's going to be pretty cool. I yeah, it, I, I'm still getting used to. I'm I'm getting everything in order. It's we're getting down to crunch time. I'm going to be home for the first time in a year, and it's weird when you have parents. I think you guys probably understand this. My parents are in their 70s, so like I'm going to be like quarantined for a couple days and and you're reaching that age where the 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 roles kind of reverse and it's so weird you know where you kind of like start taking care of them they ask you uh you know more questions like my mom now will call me and ask me like what do you think i should do about this and i'm still thinking i'm like this 15 year old boy that you know like i need to be calling you asking what i do not the other way around i don't want that pressure (laughs) we actually had a family friend who uh when i was living at home so i was in my i lived at home before i moved out here for a year to save money and uh, unfortunately, the family friend had cancer, and 
my parents, my mom came in and she's like, are you able to get pot? And I was like, just like, <laughs> nope, I have no clue. I don't know anybody who smokes pot. pot. What's that? And I was like, wait a minute, I'm almost 30. I can do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she's like, well, he might need it for painkillers. So like, hopefully this is the first podcast that mom listens to. And for to. those listening, this is a wrestling podcast. I do <laughs> apologize. We have kind of ventured off track a little early, right? Well, we take that's our, we what take we do. Way. We're talkers. <laughs> we take a long way around the barn. No shame about it. All right. I guess we can uh, try to start getting this on track. So we're going to recap uh, AEW's full gear from this past weekend, which I thought um, in all was a pretty good show. There was a bunch of really great matches. And to start it off, I mean, they came smoking right out of the gate as the tournament finale for the number one contender spot to the AEW title featured Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega who is really beginning to lean into that cleaner persona, especially with the cleaner gals dancing to the intro. So as we fully expected, this was an amazing match that they put together with the two guys really showing how well they've become accustomed to the other guy's skill set. Match began with a chop battle, then went into full steam, a great 15-minute match. There were times you could see how the other anticipated encountered uh, what the opposition was attempting to do, as well as some excellent spots, including a pop-up powerbomb on the platform by Hangman Adam Page. In the end, Omega would get the win after ducking the buckshot lariat, hitting a pair of D-triggers, then the one-winged angel for the win. Now, what I wanted to ask you guys was, one, did this match live up to the expectations you had when we came into it? And when can we expect these two to go at it again? Um, I mean, for the expectations, I think as much as it can for a match like this, uh, you know, I, I, I think of some of the kind of dream matches we've got in WWE in the last couple of years. Uh, and, and it's been the same kind of deal where it's natural to be disappointed uh, because you build it up so much, you know, in your mind, you get these high hopes that this is going to be this, you know, greatest match of all time. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, both guys put on a great performance. Uh, I think you both pretty much booked the match perfectly on our, you know, preview show. I, I would have gone with Hangman. That's just my, you know, personal, uh, where then I'd have Omega cost him, uh, you know, the championship match, but, we're still moving in that direction. So the match was great. And as for when they're going to, you know, hook it up again, I actually think it would be smart to wait uh, and potentially hold off, you know, maybe even this time next year before they actually go toe to toe because, you know, Omega won cleanly that, you know, I thought there was going to be some shenanigans or something to make hangman, you know, really angry about the loss. And with what, AEW has sort of been pushing towards of this, you know, I don't know if you want to call it emotionally fragile, uh, you know, hangman page. I think in a lot of ways it makes sense to have Omega go over clean because I think you're going to see hangman kind of do some soul searching uh, in the next year. I think we can all agree. It looks like Omega is going to go on, finally be the one to dethrone Moxley, be the next AEW champion and I think it would be cool to have Omega, you know, go on a run, kind of like what they had both Jericho and Moxley do, where he's champion for, you know, six months to a year. And then, you know, let it be Hangman, kind of reluctantly and slowly start building momentum and confidence. 
and get back and eventually go over. But uh, I got to give AEW a lot of credit for the way they booked this match. I, I Like I said, I was surprised that they had them go over clean, but they still made Hangman look like a million dollars. I mean, if you look at it, Omega threw the kitchen sink at him at the end. So, I mean, it, it, it's not like that, uh, you know, Hangman didn't go out without a real fight. And I know we're going to talk about the tag team match later, but just one little tidbit that I thought was cool. And again, it shows how AEW is good at building these storylines as Omega celebrated with the Young Bucks. I saw a still on the internet of actually Hangman. You could see him in the tunnel with his head down, looking on, which is just, again, just great little things that they do with them basically kicking him out of, uh, you know, the elite. So again, AEW, I think sometimes they get a little bit too much credit from certain fans, but they do a lot of things really well. This match was a prime example of it. Um, I'm going to be probably more negative about this pay-per-view than you guys, just as a warning. But in this case, I actually thought that this was great uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, I thought that some of the letdown of it was that, I talked about this with Johnny Gargano and it's like my one knock against him where he comes in and his first match is a 10, Like he comes in and, and, and it's like Skinner opening with Freebird. Um, you know, let, let us get there. And I think that having the match not be that, not be that match. It's like, Oh my God was perfect because it gives you room to go to the next level next time. I still thought it was a great match. I thought it told a great story of them really knowing each other in that back and forth, I, I, I just, I think that Kenny Omega is starting to show like the best bout machine stuff that like people like me who are huge uh, Puro nerds who are like, you know, in, in New Japan, like he's just, he's great at it. Uh, I do want to give a booking shout out to my friend Mario, uh, Mario Miali is in the group who suggested that it's going to, you know, we've talked about Cody turning heel, but the, yeah, it's going to be the elite. Like the elite's going to turn heel as a group. And I think that we, you know, none of us have suggested that and it's looking increasingly clear. But yeah, I think that you do down the line, like that's Paige's star making moment is that they turn heel maybe by kicking him out of the elite. And then you do the whole, like you have Adam Page come back and become, a, you know, his redemption story. And he, he gets his shot and he eventually becomes the man by beating Kenny Omega. Can I ask you guys something real quick? It's something that, in my opinion, you know, I know they were doing it as early as, you know, WrestleMania 10 with the Brett Owen, you know, opening the pay-per-view. But I feel like really in the last, like, five to ten years, and WWE really started it, having that opening match be one of the biggest matches on the card, if not the biggest in some situations. We saw it with Roman and Jey Uso recently. I explained I think that had a lot to do with what was going on, but – I really like when they do that. And, and I think that they've learned not to overstack cards, uh, particularly live crowds. I know we have to bring that into the, in 2020, but I do understand that sometimes, you know, crowds just get exhausted when you have like, say three really good matches, you know, right at the end of a pay-per-view and, you know, by the last one, they, they just get, you know, gassed. And I love it when they start a pay-per-view with a match like this. And just was curious what your guys thoughts on that is. The, you know, the, I, I've talked about listening to 83 weeks and I sort of have a love hate relationship with Eric Bischoff, but he talked about that was why he was so gung ho about the cruiserweights 
was that you you would start off the show and i think that it's a great you know i i think that starting off with the omega page match you might not expect it but it really is you start your show off with a bang and you get you know they're gonna do well you know that we just you know they're gonna do well and so i thought it was a great idea but yeah i'm a big I, 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 once you told me about, once you explained Hell in a Cell, I was fine with it. But I think in general, starting it off with a great match is, is a great idea, not necessarily the main event in the beginning. No, I can, can totally concur with you guys, because especially if you look at the flow of this card, and I'm looking over the notes as how we're going to uh, proceed, with the way this match was pretty darn good, it makes sense to uh for the the flow of the card to not you know burn everybody out by two hours in you know this was a four-hour card you know i gotta say that one of the like we almost must all have different uh the same mind because a couple of my follow-up questions number one you had covered one of them while you were uh going over it keith and yeah the because i was going to ask you guys were you surprised about the lack of a questionable finish or any kind of heel move so uh, i just love that we all have the same type of mind and then sam uh talking about your love for njtpw almost touched mine but i wanted to ask you real quickly before we move on um what did you think of them having uh don Callis of njpw fame uh calling that match uh I, it made sense, especially because uh, Don Callis has said that he wants to be like what JR is to Stone Cold Steve Austin. He wants to be that for Kenny Omega. And so it made sense. I thought it was a nice touch to the history. Uh, I will say, I'm glad you brought up NJPW because it, it does touch on what we were talking about with those cards is that like Wrestle Kingdom is their yearly, like their WrestleMania um, again, I'm sure there are nerds out there who'd be like, uh, it's the other way around. <laughs> but uh, the, like, I'm sure, yeah, Dave Meltzer's listening to this, I'm sure. Um, or Dave Meltzer, if he's listening to this. Um, the, uh, but the, the problem with like those shows is they're like six hours long and they're great. I really do enjoy them. Good Lord. Like by the end of it, and it's not just because they start at like midnight uh, Pacific Coast time and it's like six in the morning when you're done. <laughs> but it is a lot and they tend to backload them and I get why they do it, but it is like, it's nice to have the card, you know, like the old roller coaster where you go up and down and you, the, you know, it used to be at WrestleMania, you'd have the, the women's, the divas match to, to calm you down, but can't really do that. (laughs) Well, speaking of the calm down match, what they did use to calm down the crowd ever so slightly was, Orange Cassidy versus uh, John Silver of the Dark Order. Now, I saw a video on Facebook, and forgive me for forgetting, because it may have very well been shared by one of our great followers in the Team Turnbuckle podcast group, but it was an older match between uh, Cassidy and Silver, which I want to go rewatch so I can see the growth of these two guys. So anyway, Cassidy and Silver put it on a really good show that started off with the two playing out their roles perfectly. Orange doing the, you know, hands in the pocket thing while Silver screams, that doesn't hurt, punctuated with a flurry ended with uh, Orange's famous kip up. Now, I was impressed with Silver's strength and the work in this match because he showed a lot of counters and suplexes that carried a decent story. Um, I especially liked how, like, in the beginning he had countered that Hurricane DDT that Orange Cassidy likes to do but got smacked with it later. 
to Orange's credit, he got back to his laid back sloth style where he's not as emotionally invested in the match like he was during the Jericho program. Of course, Orange Cassidy did get the nod as we expected, but I want to know your thoughts, not only on the match, but can we expect to see John Silver get a better push out of the Dark Order? Uh, I, I didn't watch this uh, from everything that I read. Uh, it was a good match. Um, I thought that it was a, I think that the, the problem that AEW faces though, is that they only have the two titles. I think that he could get a push. I think that my feeling about both he and Orange Cassidy's, their ceiling is sort of top of the middle. There's nothing wrong with that. And I could be wrong, but I think that you could see hit, uh, Silver get a bit more of a push out of this. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, maybe getting a shot at the TNT title, probably not winning, but I think that he could have a decent, you know, 20 minute match on dynamite with uh, Darby Allen. So first I just want to say to what you're getting at Sam, they should have a six man title and uh, a W you think about, it, you got Jurassic express, the best friends, you could have the inner circle could, you know, have a six man team. And they're continually order. doing There's at a, least six eight man tag exactly matches. there's a lot of ways that kenny omega and the young bucks you know somewhere i mean there's a lot of ways that they could do it and i think to sam's point it just is a way to put over guys and and groups which they, they seem to have a lot of small i don't know if you want to call them factions groups whatever uh that would be something i would really look into and then again aw you know with cody and obviously his father dusty they have a lot of that, you know, bringing back, you know, we had the dog collar match recently. I mean, I can't remember the last six man tag team titles. Uh, it's, it's been a long time. I just think that would be one way to get him over. I personally don't think uh, that silver is going to get a, a big push uh, out of this. I mean, they have their own issues with just really being consistent with Brody Lee. Uh, they've obviously tried to do the Colt Cabana storyline that's not, you know, getting a ton of traction. So I, I don't see that. The one thing I will say, though, that I'm very excited about is this is what they need to be doing with Orange Cassidy. Like, this is exactly what they need to be doing. They don't need to be having him, you know, face Chris Jericho and lose and win and lose and win. They don't need to be having him, you know, take Cody Rhodes to the limit. They need to have him keep winning. Like, he is somebody that they are building up, and unless they are committed to put a – belt on them which obviously it seems like right now they're not and I, and I do understand that they need to continue to have him winning matches and this is perfect like I mean let him build up naturally by collecting W's because as they say wins and losses matter more in AEW because they keep up with them uh, and I just I think that's really important for a guy uh, you know like Orange Cassidy because he was so red hot and I remember when he lost to Jericho saying that it made sense and, you know, RC and a lot of other people were against it. I have now come to admit I was wrong because if you look at it, his momentum has halted from that point. Like it really has. It, it, he's just not as hot. He's not as talked about. He's not even getting the same reaction from the small crowds that they have there. And I just, again, I think this is exactly what they need to do. They need to continue to let him pile up wins and this was booked the correct way. 
So let's move on to the TNT title match. Um, I thought this was a really entertaining match mm. that started off with uh, Cody trying to intimidate Darby Allen with his size and strength, including a shout out to my moniker's originator when he did the Rick Rude sweat toss. I absolutely love that. Uh, Cody walked the fine line between heel and face during this match. Um, you know, one time he's attempting to give Darby a hand up, which Darby declined, but then later on he's doing push-ups after uh, a submission rope break. I really enjoyed the difference uh, in the offense between the two where you see Cody would try to muscle Darby around, uh, tossing him over the top rope from a hammerlock and, you know, the super shoulder breaker to Darby's trying to push the speed of the contest. I, I really like the storytelling and I'm really wondering if Arn Anderson is going to play more of a role in this heel turn that we feel that's coming for Cody, especially when he was taunting uh, Darby and yelling at him to stay down during the match. He was doing the same in the Cassidy match, if you remember. Like, he, he's, he's kind of got involved. Mm. He's, he's been taunting. I, I think that's a good point. Uh, the finish to this match is a touch surprising because uh, I was expecting it to come off of a bigger move, maybe off the coffin drop, but Darby instead countered the crossroads and it led to a back and forth on the roll-ups, which really surprised me when that third uh, count came down and we have a new TNT champion in Darby Allen. Now, um, of course, what do you guys think of the match? And what I want to know is who well, actually f we'll first start with, what do you think of the match? I'll follow up afterwards. Okay. Can I, can I go first? Sam? Keith, Cause I, I'm so freaking pissed about this shit. Uh, the match was, the match was fine. I, I have no problems with the match. Uh, I actually was not surprised because I, I think you guys remember on the preview, I said the way that they, sort of built up with that promo and they've had Darby Allen as the ultimate underdog. I started to think, well, you know, they, they, they might be making this move. My issue is why the hell did Cody Rhodes lose the belt to Brody Lee? If this was going to be a decision made this quickly after, because no offense to Brody Lee, Darby Allen has the potential to be a bigger star. Uh, not only just in AEW, but just in general, in my opinion, than Brody Lee. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I just, I just, I'm about to get flustered. So I got to get my, my words together. It just doesn't make any sense. Like this would have been such a big win for Darby Allen. And I'm not saying that it's not still a big win, but if Cody would have been, you know, the TV champ gone all the way through, he would have beat all these big names. You know, he'd outlasted Orange Cassidy, he would have beat Brody Lee. You know, nobody could defeat him. And it would only play up more this ultimate underdog role of Darby Allen. And it would also have made, I think, this result a lot more surprising because I think we would have all felt like that Cody was on that run, like Jericho, uh, like Moxley now. They, they seem to be committed to having their champions, you know, be champion for a long period of time. And I just cannot, for the life of me, figure out why they made that decision what was it two months ago? Because you know, they had to have this planned out. This was not something I'm sure that they, you know, fly by their seat of their pants decision. And what's most frustrating is the reasoning that I've heard that, you know, Cody was doing some filming and stuff. So they knew he was coming back. They knew they were going to give him the belt right back and then only to have him to lose it here. I'm just like, if this was WWE, 
there would be so many people on the internet shitting all over this, like all You're over. Right. Going, it makes You're no sense, right. blah, 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 blah. But because it's AEW, and again, I love AEW, but they have like Mark fans, like true Mark fans. That everything they do is great. And I was arguing with a bunch of them on Twitter who was like, what's the difference? It's like, what do you mean? What is the difference? It's like an undefeated Cody Rhodes as champion Darby Allen overcoming all the odds and defeating him is much bigger than a Cody Rhodes that just lost to Brody Lee and then won the belt right back. So in this time, you've hurt Brody Lee because he squashed Cody Rhodes and then lost the belt in a match that should have been favored to Brody Lee. I mean, you would think that a strap match would favor the bigger, more physical guy, okay? Cody Rhodes has now lost the belt twice that he said was the biggest belt in the company and it meant the world to him. So that doesn't make any sense. And then again, you kind of knocked down Darby Allen a step because this could have been such a bigger moment had he not, you know, Cody had not already previously lost the belt and regained it back. And again, the match was fine. Like I thought it was good. Both of those guys are great performers. Uh, I love how Cody can work. And we, we've discussed this before with guys like Orange Cassidy, Darby Allen, you know, Sammy Guerra will be in that category where you can have some guys that are not traditionally big guys work basically the big monster dude because the other guys are so much smaller. And I love that. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. But just the booking decisions here is just like, seriously, it's one of the most like stupid decisions they've made so far that just like truly makes me angry uh and i'm just really disappointed dude you're right because i i see this in other groups and i i don't even jump in i i actually just read the threads to see if anybody will be like hey listen you know if it was the other way around this is what it would be a lot of people don't want to hear it because they hate being wrong sam what did you think of the match so I, I'm very much of the same mind as Keith and you guys. I will say one thing about with, I think that there's a desire for AEW to be good and successful. And I get that. I really do. I think that it's made the WWE better in the year that it's been on. I think that though, like if you're just going to talk about like, oh, like everything they do is great. Like you're not actually making the company better. Uh, I agree with Keith about the booking decision. And it gets to one of my like bugaboos that I complain about which is, it's predetermined. You know, it's not like this was UFC where Cody went in there and got knocked out and they're like, oh, crap. You know, we didn't expect this to happen. Like what happened with Ronda Rousey. It's the... It's not Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson before he fights Evander Holyfield. Exactly. It, it is. And so my complaint with it, I'm fine, is that they sort of did the worst of all worlds. If they had had Cody lose to Brody... And then Brody lose to Darby Allen. Great. Like, that's a great story. That story works. If they had had Cody not lose to, Dar- to Brody and lose to Darby Allen, great. But I think by having, and again, the, the, the reason I've never heard, the only reason I've heard is that he was going to do the TV. He was going to be gone for a couple of weeks. But that just doesn't make sense to me because, you know, I guess he was gone for longer than we thought. I looked that Brody Lee's title reign was almost like two months. Was it really? It's 55 days. Really? Wow, that I did not know. Um, yeah, he won it. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> oh, I believe you. I just that, that's shocking. Um, yeah, I thought it was only I felt like, like five it was weeks. No more than a month. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like a month, five weeks at the most. Uh, uh, oh no, never mind. I'm sorry. I was down by a week because the episode aired on 
uh, he won it on the 13th, but it aired on the 22nd of yeah. August, and then he lost it on October 7th to Cody. Still longer than I thought, though. It was and, longer. And, I mean, I get that you don't necessarily want to have Cody gone for a week, you know, a month. I, I do get that now that we, you know, we remember his time is, you know, dilated in this uh, pandemic time. But I wish that, you know, then have Brody keep the title and have him drop it to Darby. Because uh, Brody I mean, wasn't defending the title weekly anyway. That, that you know, like even that would make more sense. But if I remember correctly, did Brody defend it? I think, but just once, right? In between the time that he won it before he then again fought Cody? That sounds right. Yeah, or I think Orange Cassidy was his only defense. That's what I thought. And the and that's the case where it just i get why i see i, I see their logic like oh we don't want to have cody like do an injury angle with cody like there are things that you can do and i don't get why they did what they did i felt like it harmed everyone and i thought the match was fine the match was not good enough to redeem that booking decision and it was one of the two booking decisions on the show i was just that left me scratching my head and kind of put a bad taste in my mouth uh, I can understand that, but seeing as that's what we do have, who do you think is going to be the first uh, challenger to the TNT title? I mean, do we assume it's going to be Ricky Starks, considering they it's jumped be somebody right after from the match? Taz's stable yeah. for sure, right? They've been setting this up for. I, I figured weeks. it's got to be Ricky Starks, yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Well, I'm only going to touch on this one for a. Uh, a hot second and you know because for some reason and maybe it's just me out of the three of us i want we do want this to be a good product we want AEW to put on a good product i want their women's division to be better uh, this is if i had any major complaint they really need to step up their game on their their women's division so i'm going to talk about this uh sheeta versus nyla rose only because they had had the nwa uh women's championship on the buy-in which was more of a conventional style matchup but unfortunately what, I'm, what it got me to realize is that there's really no big buzz once you get outside of Britt baker dmd and I, matter of fact I'm not even going to go through this part. We, Hikaru Shida did retain, which was a semi-entertaining match, longer than I expected. You know, it was about a 15-minute, 17-minute women's championship. What would you like to see happen uh, in the AEW women's division? What can they do to to get this better? It starts with giving them more time. I mean, they, they don't highlight them on the weekly show nearly as much they had a and i'm still angry about this and they should have caught more shit for it they had the tag tide or the tag tournament that they plugged and promoted so much coming into it and they had it on youtube and it's like again if wwe pulled something like that there would have been legitimate backlash on social media and again it's like it's not all AEW fans. I, I don't want to say that, but it's just like there is a contingency that they just, everything's rosy and it's not the case. And I feel like as wrestling fans, if we truly want the product to be good, uh, you have to both point out the positives and the negatives. And is this the second or third pay-per-view match that these two have had for the belt? It's the uh, third, second. right? Oh, so Ni I thought Nyla won one time. 
and then the last two she's lost. Oh, you then know what? she you did the fit. Right. I think you told no, you me she defended right. the title against her once on a pay per view. No, you um, might be right. I so believe you're right. Is, I'm sorry. What, what, what? No, you're good. So my point is, what they've had like eight, nine pay per views, and now this has been the women's title in three of them. And like, no offense, this isn't Rock Austin. Uh, they have other women, you know, in their promotion. Can they not change it up a little bit? Why is Britt Baker still not had a title shot? Like, there's just so many Why questions are we not that seeing I have more of right Penelope now. Ford because you had exactly. gotten me excited. You had gotten me excited about seeing more of her. I just, I, I mean, the NWA champ, the, the, you know, that came. What, I'm sorry, I, Thunder Rosa. I, Thunder Rosa. Put her in the damn title match. She's really entertaining. Like, there's just other ways uh, to do this. And I, the, the main thing though, I agree is just that they've got to start by actually giving these women time on the show because for somebody like me who I don't watch AEW Dark. I don't even know who half the women on the roster are because they're very rarely seen on TV. Well, I, I was going to defend uh, defend that uh, there is that unlike the WWE who has, you know, seven hours of weekly TV to show, you know, five hours of the main roster, uh, AEW only has two hours. And I get that the women are not, I, I also so so I, I'm just gonna be because I, I it's funny that's gonna be the critical one and here we are. Um, I think <laughs> don't you think they could take ten minutes every episode because they're not even giving them ten minutes every episode. Like the most I see of them is the results from Dark, and that's where you're seeing a lot of the names. And, and I think that they are yeah. I mean I think that's the assumption, but we also have to remember they've only been around for the they've only been on TV for a year, and I think they're working on building up. Know, the the and I just don't think they have the uh they don't have the ta- depth of talent in the women's division the way that they do. I was surprised. I thought Thunder Rosa was headed to WWE. I was pretty shocked to see her on Saturday. Uh I think that the I mean the the obvious what do you do is you merge the women's division because Serena D Thunder Rose. So do they own NWA now? Is that is yeah, that owns NWA? Okay. Um, sorry, I was just making sure. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, but I, I think that the, uh, uh, I, I think that that's the obvious. Is that the women, the the NWA has been way more, uh, interesting. Has been way more exciting than the AEW, and I think that's what you have to do. I think Thunder Rosa is the, you know, to, to make a WWE comparison, the, the Charlotte Flair. Is that's who I would build the, um, that's who I would build the division around. I would find out what I need to get her there and then I would put the rocket on her and go. But with you her. Do agree, they got to do some storylines because I mean, part of it is that from what I've seen, most of the women that they've given time, they can wrestle. This was a good match. There wasn't nothing wrong with the match. There's just no storyline to anything. Like they're not putting any work into it. Uh, and, and that's what to me is so frustrating. And maybe it's, and maybe it's something that they're slowly working on. You know, I know that there's um, a women's match coming up on dynamite this week and the reason that it has a little simmer is because one of them is like Brandy Rhodes's protege. The other one is Anna Jay's friend who she's like trying to recruit to the Dark Order. But at least we're getting something that has more than just woman, woman, get in match. 
So moving on from uh, the dreadful AEW women's division, we're going to go into what I was most excited for this match, the tag team championship between FTR and the Young Bucks. Now, as far as telling a story and making changes on the fly, this was a pretty decently high-level tag match. As stated by the commentating team, I was surprised that Matt was the one who started it off. But, you know, we also kind of Was his leg had... injury legit? Do any of y'all know? Is he, is he really, like, fighting a leg injury, or was that totally storyline purposes? Um, I actually don't know. Which leg was it? I, could, I honestly... His left. His left one. Uh... Uh, um, here I'm always skeptical of, uh, injuries to the left part of the body because that's the part that you work. Um, like that's just like you work, always work the left in, in North America. Why is that? Come on, Sam. You're supposed to be the professor of this podcast. I I was genuinely interested to hear that. I was thinking he was going to say something about, you know, working on the off leg so that if a spot goes wrong at I least thought you were going to say it dominant. was the biased liberal media but you know whatever <laughs> yeah that, that's me uh, I no, I, I think that it's because it's the non-dominant but it, from what I'm reading yeah it's real it's legit that he has issues with his ACL and his MCL oh wow and you know there was also the thing which kind of sucked for us in that the the Bucks put themselves in the position of we win this one or we never compete. I really hate the fact that they threw this into the storyline, but like Especially I said, I was having done it with Cody, right? Like maybe right. if it was just this one, it would be a little bit different, but you just did this. Well, and that, sorry, I'm not, not to interrupt. Yeah. But no, 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 go ahead. That's sort of my, and Keith got to go ahead with the Cody, but this is the one where the booking decision uh, I'm not admittedly as much of a fan of the Young Bucks. I My assumption, though, it could be complimentary, is is that the tag division needs the Young Bucks for star power. And I have a feeling that if, if the company were a little more established, Matt Jackson would not be wrestling right now. Um, the But that being said, I thought that the – I don't like the we'll never wrestle for the titles again ever – uh, I think that what you should do with that is we'll never wrestle. We won't wrestle the current champions again. Current so I, champions. Yeah. Because I feel like we've seen that one before. Um, I also the 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 EVPs have done a really good job of not indulging in what I would call ego fluffing. You know, I think that that we've watched for a year that they built up everybody who is not the Young Bucks, Cody. You know, all of the EVPs have really been admirable because the the they are talented they are big enough names that they could have justified running roughshod well, especially young bucks right they were the biggest name in the tag team division until fdr showed up by a mile yeah and and which is why i was a little bit you know i think that there's a little bit of i i saw it it, it was one of those i think they were in a no-win position but i think that putting themselves over over the over FTR when there's been that argument when there was the young bucks who sort of needled them with the FTR hashtag that it comes across a little bit like well we're the best tag team in the world and we just proved it and, and I if thought they're the turning match- heel though isn't that smart in some ways uh it's a little breaking kayfabe for me 
Um, yes, if they're turning heel, it's smart, but it, it, it felt a little bit like, hey, we're the best tag team in the world, and that's why we're the champs. I get why they did it. Ultimately, I don't like this, this stipulation, and I feel like it's a self-inflicted wound. It's the same thing we were talking about with Cody, is that it's, it's not, you don't have to do that. I don't know why they did that. So can I, there's two things that I took from this match. Uh, one, frustrated, obviously, by the booking decision, because I told you all in the preview, this was the one match I was 100% confident the Young Bucks were going to win. Doesn't mean it's the wrong decision, but it just, it would have been nice for this match, which I think most people wouldn't have really known where they were going to go had they not put that stipulation up. Uh, that's why it's frustrating. The match was really good. Uh, I think some people have kind of crapped on it. And was it the greatest match ever? No. Did it live up to the Hangman Page versus Young Bucks match? No. But I think this is where it shows they're hurt by not having house shows uh, because I think it would have been huge if these guys could have, you know, main evented two or three, four or five house shows uh, before coming into this. And I have a feeling that their next match is going to be amazing uh, because – you not only had the fact that, you know, Matt was hurt, which obviously now that I know that that's legit, which I wasn't 100% sure that that probably played a role in it. And again, it's just, I mean, these guys had never faced each other, uh, despite both being all over the world and all kinds of promotions. And I think that, you know, considering this was their first match ever and in this, you know, environment. And yes, I know they had a crowd, but it's not, a, you know, a real big crowd. Uh, I, th I thought it was a really good match, and, and I completely agree with, you know, Ron L that the, the storytelling was good in this. My, my biggest takeaway, though, or question moving forward is, are they going to turn FTR face, or are they both going to be heels? Because it definitely looks like the Hardys are on their way to, to turning heel along with Omega. I mean, FTR didn't work his faces in this match. I'm sorry. You mean the Young Bucks, not the Hardys. I'm sorry, Young Bucks. God almighty. It's been a long day, boys. Well, hey, the, they, they were inspired by them, obviously. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. So do <laughs> y'all um, think that that's something that – I mean, what are they doing with FDR? Would, I mean, that could be a possibility. I, I just – you know, one thing that I'm digging about all of this, and I can't believe I really just realized – I completely missed a match, <laughs> but that's okay. We'll, we'll fill it in anyway. Um, man, and that just that just really killed my exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> what are they doing with FTR? That's what I'm asking. What are they doing with FTR? Yes, um, they will put heel versus heel. So there's a possibility that even if the Bucks do actually turn heel, there's and if they still have what FTR wants, FTR is going to go after them for it and i can't imagine that just because of them having an attitude change will uh have ftr looking at them any less like i still want to kick your ass do you think this was i mean because some people have had this match ranked higher than i did person and again it was a really good match i, I don't want to say it's not it's just when they had the young bucks versus omega hangman which I keep going back to it. I thought that was like one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen. That's what I'm going to compare it to. I mean, that was this year. I just didn't think it was quite as good. I mean, Ron, how did you it think wasn't. it was anywhere near? Like, I mean, not, like, again, it was good, but not that level, state, right? Not even in the same stadium as that. You know, like I was saying, you know, it was, it was a high level, but 
every especially considering the buildup for this there it had to have fallen short but hopefully now that i think about it maybe this will be the reverse of what sam always says and this gives them something to build off of in the future i mean hell we had cash do something very un ftr like and you know go for a springboard 450 which you know was a surprise and you know it helped lead to their demise but you know they can leave a lot more surprises out there and a lot more clean uh tag working the yeah i mean i i again i it's so full gear is not the their biggest pay-per-view of the year and i think that you have to figure i get like why obviously they did omega page there and why they did young bucks uh uh, uh thank you thank you um it's been a long day for all of us um <laughs> the the long, long year <laughs> yes <laughs> um so the they they did this and i get why is that you want to have a you know, rematch is going to be the really blow the roof off the place down the line. I, I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah, nor do I. And quite honestly, I'm excited no matter whether the elite are heel or face, if these two are going to keep going at it for the, te- even if I'm they're very excited to see them again, just more of this and, you know, maybe hopefully Matt does get a handle on that injury. Uh, de- uh, Dax gets a handle on that. Uh, I was very surprised of that split hand, like right in the middle of the match, calling for medical attention. And I like the fact that they just incorporated that right into the match, that that's where Matt can try to get his advantage back since he was already won. So we need this. Don't you think, though, we're going to probably head to a cool stipulation match with these guys down the road, right? Whether it be two out of three, cage match, like whatever. I just, I feel like that this is going to set up to one of their more personal feuds uh, in quite some times. And that's again why I kind of like, obviously, I didn't like them telegraphing it by, you know, the Young Bucks could never challenge for championship again, but I like the Young Bucks getting the win here. Uh, especially if they're turning heel, because I just think in the long run, storyline-wise, it's going to kind of give it the most juice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I totally agree with you. But uh, let's move on to the elite deletion match with Sammy (sighs) Guevara and Matt Hardy. Now, I may have been expected more than we got in terms of telling a compelling cinematic story, seeing as Matt is the originator of these kind of matches. We got a semi-entertaining and in some spots pretty funny match, which hopefully spells the end of this Matt Hardy and Sammy G feud. It better now, not. We, <laughs> we, saw, we saw early on that, you know, Matt's protege's private party, he had, he had them on standby. To no surprise, they served as backup to Santana and Ortiz coming to give Guevara the upper hand. Got a Blast from the past when we got a visit from Gangrel, better known as David Heath, uh, showing cool. up with showing up with Hurricane Helms, and I thought that was pretty funny. He was like, "You haven't talked to me in like two years. What's up with that?" Long term <laughs> storytelling. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Now, naturally, you know, on his home turf, Matt Hardy goes over, but is this finally the end 
of the Matt Hardy Sammy G feud? And if so, what would you like to see for both of these guys um, moving forward? You want to go, Sam? Uh, yeah, I, I felt like it was, I mean, we, if you guys have watched the, uh, impact stuff that they did, you know, with the deletion stuff, which was really like for like, it's, it's been assimilated into pro wrestling, but it originally was just really great, you know, really groundbreaking stuff. Um, I, I thought that it, it, you know, it was entertaining. Matt Hardy's entertaining at what he does at this point. I really, you know, I, I, I would hope that he would transition long-term out of wrestling just for his health. Um, but I just think he's got a great mind for the wrestling business. Um, I don't, I'm going to let Keith get into this more, but I think that they need to give uh, Bovar the victory. I get why they didn't, that this is sort of like Matt's like hell in a cell for the undertaker uh, or a casket match for the undertaker. Um, but I think that they should have given the win, uh, to, uh, Sammy. I think you give it to the young guy though. I think it is the end. I feel like we're going to get more of the feud with, the um, with, the uh, elite and MJF. I'm I'm sorry, not the elite with, uh, inner circle and MJF. So that would make more sense to me. So I'm, this was the other match. It just, I'm, I'm just. Again, let's look at it if this was WWE doing something like this. You have a guy in, you know, Matt Hardy that's in his mid 40s, uh, you know, can't really wrestle anymore because he, and again, it's not his fault. He gave his body, you know, to wrestling and, and it showed. Uh, but this is twice you've put him over on a major pay per view against what is supposed to be one of your more talented young stars. And I was so mad that he lost the first match, which is, we remember, that was a scary situation in its own self because he was obviously concussed. They let him, you know, finish. Well, when I saw that they were doing this match, I go, well, this is, this is actually really smart. This is Hardy's match. This is Hardy's playground. What better way to put Sammy over than to have him go into Hardy's specialty and defeat him? But, oh, no, they put Hardy over again, which, again, to me makes no sense why are we even having this match and it being this type of match? If Hardy's going to go over again, he had already won. So like, I mean, like Sammy has not got his win back. And again, Hardy doesn't need this. Like I thought you bring in a guy like Hardy. He's not Chris Jericho. And again, no defense like to, to Hardy or, you know, big Matt Hardy fans, but I understand Chris Jericho protecting him, even though his age, where you're not going to give him a lot of losses. Like, it, it makes sense. It's also going to make the guys that actually defeat him mean more. Matt Hardy is not Chris Jericho. And it's like the whole point of this feud, I thought, was to get Sammy Guerva over. They have not done that. He's lost on the two biggest stages. And it's just infuriating because if this was the other way around, and again, if this was WWE and say it was, you know, I mean, you could literally just say Matt Hardy, say it's Matt Hardy. And, you know, they call up Adam Cole, right. And they're trying to get Adam Cole over. And in the, I I would not put Sammy Guevara on the level. I would say Sammy Guevara in AEW is basically the equivalent of what they call a blue chipper. I'm not comparing their basically wrestling skills or anything like that, but I'm saying Sammy Guevara, I think is just important 
of a young star to AEW as Adam Cole hopefully will be to WWE. That's Is that uh, fair. Yeah. Okay. I don't agree, but I, I think that that's, I see what you're saying. Okay. I, I Sorry. Think- I didn't mean, I'm not trying to compare the rush. I'm trying to compare a big name, you know, coming up because they have obviously think Sammy's a big deal. They put him in the inner freaking circle. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much all you need to know about how big and how high their hopes are. They've stuck by him through some, you know, some stuff already and, too, which again, and proves. if I may, and if yeah, I may pile on right yeah. here, speaking of that point, you know, we talked about, with what WWE has been doing with other people in similar or worse positions, a la Matt Riddle, a la Velveteen Dream. What Sammy had did was so, was in terms of all of this stuff, a lot lighter. And considering the fact that he went to the person he offended and they, you know, hashed it out and, you know, Sasha gave him his, the well wishes and accepted his apology. Why is it looking like Sammy is one of these guys that's still being I mean, Matt Riddle just went over again on Monday Night Raw in a mid- big match and said, "I just uh, again uh, spoiler spoiler alert, possibly my wrestler on the rise." I just I I don't I I just don't get this because I don't know what they're doing with Sammy. Is is kind of my point, and I I am I'm I'm probably higher on Sammy than most guys. I think he's got a great look. He sells like a, you know, a young Dolph Ziggler. I mean, I've never seen somebody, uh, you know, take basically regular finishers and moves the way he does. It looks like he's literally dying. Like the way he, the way he stands on his head on that. Exactly. It's scary. And the way he actually turned it into a counter as well. I just think this was a, right. And I just think this was a chance for them to truly make his biggest moment in AEW by, I mean, you know, it's like what Sam's saying. This is like the Undertaker in Hell in a Cell. It really is. I mean, this this is Matt Hardy's, you know, playground, if you will. And I, I just, it, it really disappointed me because, uh, again, you have AEW fans and the promotion itself saying that this is a different place. We're all about building new guys. It's not about, you know, the past or whatever. And to me, that's what it looks like right here. I mean, it's what it looks like. And again, you got to remember they're champions. Now that Darby Allen's TV champion, I will give them a little credit. But before that, their champions have been Moxley, Jericho, Cody Rhodes, and Brody Lee, who are all WWE guys, all older guys. Uh, and it, it's just, I, I don't think it's fair to Sammy. Let, let me say one thing that and one thought that just popped into my head is that if they are going to do the feud with MJF, if they're going to do the inner circle thing, it makes sense to have Sammy lose because then MJF can be like, well, look at this jobber. He lost to, uh, you know, Matt Hardy, it, that sort of thing. It, is, it makes sense from that. It's again putting Sammy down. Yeah, but the. Because he's the, not going to get a win against MJF. We know that. Nah. Hmm. Maybe Wardlow. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair, Fair enough. enough. Speaking of those two gentlemen, um, I didn't write up a note for it, but we're just going to flow right into it. Uh, MJF and Chris Jericho had a match to determine whether they would accept MJF into the inner circle. Now, this was a good heel-on-heel match, but yet you can clearly see that Chris Jericho was more of the face in this match. And this kind of seems like it's serving for a uh, long-term storytelling in that it could be that they 
are going to part Jericho from the inner circle and maybe maybe MJF will be keeping the majority of the band. Anyway, in a great heel versus quote-unquote heel contest, um, Jericho loses when he goes to bring his uh, the sixth member of the inner circle, the bat in. And instead of MJF using his $60,000 pinky ring, which was he was about to use, he won on a simple roll-up, getting the call into the inner circle. Guys, I know you guys got to be excited about whatever program they've got going on with the inner circle. How do you feel? Uh, we might as well just continue uh, that right off of where we left off. Keith, why don't you go on right where you think this MJF and so, inner circle is going to happen? I've been a little negative today on this pay-per-view because I, it, it wasn't my favorite. Some of the booking decisions pissed me off, obviously, as you can tell. I love this match. I love the match. I love the execution. I'm so on board for this. And when they first, you know, kind of brought these two guys together, I'm like, what are they doing? And after the, the you know, the musical number, I decided I'm just going to have faith in you got two great performers. Let's let them cook. You know what I mean? After that, they did a town hall, which also seemed absolutely ridiculous. It was great. Uh, I was curious how a heel versus heel match would really, you know, play off with these two guys. And I, I loved everything about it. I loved MJF, you know, uh, you know, giving the Eddie Guerrero treatment, uh, you know, to Jericho, which I thought awesome. was really cool. Uh, and again, Jericho deserves credit. I, I know he's lost his fastball in the ring, but he's 50 years old. Yeah. And I mean, he reminds me a lot of Ric Flair, uh, and his WWE run right before he kind of got right to the end around WrestleMania, you know, 24, when he was still okay. But I'm talking about he had that run. I think it was him and Batista, right, that were tag champions. Yeah. Uh, the WrestleMania 20 match, I remember, of Evolution versus Rock and, uh, um, you know, Mankind. That was when Flair was, you know, really, you know, he was over the heel in age, but still putting on amazing matches and really showing how much, you know, psychology and just understanding how a wrestling match works benefited the match. And that's what I thought this was. I love the way that, you know, they had MJF win with a roll up. So it wasn't a clean or decisive win. I love the handshake after it. And I just can't wait to see what's going to happen moving forward. But this is, I, this is one of the more interesting storylines uh, I think AEW's done period and one of the more interesting storylines in wrestling in the last few years because I don't think anybody really saw this coming. Did anybody see, you know, six months ago, hey, MJF is going to want to join the inner circle uh, and is actually going to get in? I don't think anybody kind of saw that happening. Not I, at I don't all. care where and they go. I, I'm just and excited. It's a not, and it's a non-title program that has mm -hmm. a lot of buzz, which yep. is what I really enjoy about it. Sam, what's his, what are your thoughts about not only the match but how is this going to play out i'm so excited for mjf as starscream um <laughs> yeah, that, i knew that was a reference that would get a pop out of uh i felt like that was right in the wheelhouse of our age group oh, oh yeah uh i'm really excited for that um i thought that you know yeah jericho has lost his fastball but when you consider the guys who've still wrestled at 50 you know, hogan uh undertaker Flair, Jericho's easily the best. I mean, and I don't want this. Nolan Ryan. Yeah, I mean, maybe Terry Funk was pretty good in his fifties. 
It was a different kind of wrestling, but you know what I mean? He, it kind of in the same way he that he was. knew what he was doing and he was, I, but I still would say that Jericho, like, I don't want to sound like I'm damning him with faint praise. Yes. He, I think that what he has lost in pure athleticism, his, as he said, the psychology his like, it, he's just so good. And like, I'm really glad that he's getting the chance to be appreciated because I think that unfortunately for a lot of his career, he was sort of like, Meh, you know, he was never the guy. Yeah. And I, and I think that he, has always been I, and I think that, that, that you'll see this in other things where somebody's so like they get their chance and I'm glad it was great that pro wrestling has it like I'm glad like he left the WWE I think that he might not be able to do the New Japan like five star thing and he might need some bells and whistles to cover that he's not what he was but he's really you know the fact is is that you know, a guy who's almost 50 being the first AEW champion and none of us were like, you know, come on. Says something. And he's so important to AEW. And this is such a huge opportunity for MJF. And I'm not even talking about program-wise. You know when you're in a program and you're going to be in a group with a guy like this. I mean, to have Jericho, you know. As a mentor. Exactly. Like, that's just, I mean, especially with, you know, we all think, you know, how much talent MJF has. And from what I understand, he's somebody that, you know, he really is like a sponge. He wants to learn as much as he can from all the people in the business. I mean, he's just got to be thrilled to be like, you know, a, a character that, in my opinion, would be a great, you know, person to kind of expire to be for MJF is Jericho because he's a similar size. He's got a lot of similar skills. Uh, it, it's just it's a great opportunity. I, I'm smiling because I was going to make us all feel like really old is that uh mjf will be i think jericho's age in uh 2045 thanks Sam. <laughs> i just want to be here i want to be able to see now i want to be able to be here so that Tiger I can woods will be hitting honorary tee shots at the masters in 2045 <laughs> just like so i can bring this up and say to my kids you ever see this well actually i don't have kids but my nieces and nephews and one day well, uh, maybe. Never say maybe never, have, bro. Maybe I'll have. Maybe like, I'll have. It's like, my it's own. like Vince McMahon. Never say never. <laughs> I have stepchildren, so you know I, I can show them. Like, listen, you see this guy Maxwell Jacob Friedman. You see how he's on top of the world It'd now. It'd be actually cooler if you're just doing it to random kids on the street. You know, did I tell you about? <laughs> Me and my buddies, 25 years ago. Get said off my porch. <laughs> said this kid was going to be something special, especially after he connected with that Chris Jericho. <laughs> Who's Chris Jericho, Dad? <laughs> oh, they better know Chris Jericho. Yeah, we, really. Oh, well, if, if yeah, no, if actually my we're, stepchildren... We're failing his parents, my, if not. My stepchildren know who Chris Jericho is. Le champion. And they will continue to know. As a matter of fact, he's going to be... He, I still stand by Chris Jericho may very well go down on the Mount Rushmore. I think he's, he's making a really strong case with this, with this current run because he's carrying a promotion, which is the one thing he hadn't done. So I want to talk about this, this main event. Cause I know we got to get please, out of here. Please. Absolutely. Before we get into it, cause it, it was great. It was gruesome. I'm one of those guys that like, this is too much for me. And I hate to say that, but it's just like, I cringe. I cringe watching this stuff. Like I really, truly do. 
I love the spot though where he got out the uh what was it the uh, rubbing alcohol was that what it, that, that what was, it was awesome yes have, that has was, anybody ever I, I seen that, that in, I put that in there that I've never seen such a thing before and was a great spot to throw in and I'm sure that and I'm sure see and this is one of the things that this had to be a watered down version of what I'm sure they put on before because they're trying to bring some of the hardcore stuff to the masses and they can't feed us all of it at once like we can't go from what they had to new jack i just man i have a trouble watching this stuff sometimes i think that the yeah i think that also like if you just watch what czw was doing when moxley was there like the business has moved past it like you can't have guys hitting each other with light tubes anymore (laughs) um you know in theory yeah, uh, so I, oh, no, I go ahead and do your recap. I'm sorry. I uh, know it's quite okay. You actually cut half of that right in. You know <laughs> what a jerk. My low, my low <laughs> for this was because stylistically, this this couldn't be a great match. But the high is just how they brought it forth. I thought it was a lot. It was very similar to the um, Roman Reigns and Jay Uso program where they use a lot of the the psychology and the talking to each other. Uh, during it, so we expected Moxley to pull off the win, and but just the, the brutal submission with putting the barbed wire over his forearm to put that bulldog choke on. Didn't one of y'all call the fact that he would not actually quit and pass Sam out did. on the preview? Sam I, did. Did I? I thought that there was yeah. like I, I know one of y'all did. So if Ron was saying it, didn't, it was you saying it wasn't me because <laughs> it definitely wasn't me. Uh, I, I might have said that I didn't think that I said that the only way that uh, Ambrose is going to lose or Moxley's going to lose is if he dies in the ring. <laughs> um, no, I, I really think he did though. Because you were talking about how I think it was you saying it was going to make uh, you know him a star, and I got to admit that I agree. Like this is something that AEW is very good at is that you know you have a match between two guys, both are you know obviously red hot. One's a champion, one is you know one of the the hotter guys in your company. They both end up looking like a million bucks. Uh, Moxley retains, and you set up the Omega match, you know, by the end from him coming out there. Uh, and it just, I thought it was a wonderful, uh, you know, finish match, booked everything. It just, again, it's just, and this is just me personally, I just have a hard time watching that kind of stuff. It's the same reason I can't get into UFC. I just don't, I don't really get enjoyment out of people really looking like they're, you know, hurting each other. That's kind of why I got into wrestling is it's like, yes, I know injuries happen, but I know that this is fake. And, you know, and it's like, but some of the stuff these guys are doing, I'm just like watching, you know, like in between my, my fingers. I, you know, it, it's one thing that I, I wondered as I was thinking about it is if some of this was, you know, that they did it as a, a an I quit match in response to Roman and Uso. And Jay, and that there's sort of, oh, we'll like show that. you an I quit match. Yeah, yeah, we'll show you brutal. <laughs> and I wondered if that was some of the thought process to it, because uh, I think there is a lot of Moxley, you know, like I, I, he did not like WWE, and I think he's still like processing through a lot of it. But don't um, you think that was the best way uh, to put both guys over? Because I, I don't know. Uh, if you can have that same kind of, you know, sort of finish or uh, at least deal if it's just kind of a regular match. And I, yes. And I actually think that once uh, Moxley's done with Omega, once he's done dropping the title to Omega, 
there is a very good storyline of Eddie Kingston being like, you, I never, ta-, you know, the old Raging Bull, you never got me down, Ray. Right. Like, you never got me to say I quit. Rocky and Apollo and Creed, the, ding, ding. And they, and, they, and, they, you know, and they get to, you know, move this program. It gives them at least something to, to do with each other. And actually, um, I was just thinking of, because since you guys both pretty much just answered my follow-up questions, what to do with Eddie Kingston? And I actually thought about, well, we have Bastard Pack back now, but his death triangle teammates are with Eddie Kingston. Do we There's get another a- six-man tag. You know, like they really should have six-man tag titles. They could have some great matches. Pox, yeah, let's back. start. You guys start pushing that hashtag on Twitter. I will. <laughs> I you know it, it's absence makes the heart grow fonder i has Pac gotten a title shot yet no i don't think he's gotten any title shots yet no oh man i i would be if he holds off and gets a title shot at, at Pac versus darby allen would be a great match too Pac versus yeah he's yeah i'm excited for him coming back i i had forgotten he returns wednesday is that right I, I don't they, know. They promoted it, right? I thought I saw I, that they had I promoted don't, when I, he retired. I, I got so excited about just seeing the promo right. that, I didn't, that I didn't even. And I look may have misheard uh, it too because of the same deal. And I, I didn't see when he would be coming back, but you know, there, there's right there a couple of programs that they can throw him right into, or is he going to try to, you know, get his brothers back? Was he on the episode Wednesday? He was supposed to come back last week, I thought. So was he not on the... Because he went on the show, was he? Um, I don't remember seeing him physically on the show outside of that... Outside of his uh, promo there. He, Yeah, I I think he just... Uh, he oh, okay. Him. They're just bringing him back on the, the TV screen. But he's not... Yeah, we don't know when his first to, match is going to be uh, or anything. He has to do, I think, two weeks of quarantine. Because oh, that's right. Oh, he's coming from England, right? Um, 2020, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so real quickly, overall on this pay-per-view, what's what's everybody's letter grade? Or scale one to ten, whichever you prefer. I don't. Uh, I don't know I'm, probably, I'm probably about a B, B minus. Yeah, I would say a solid B. Um, you know, it had it had a couple of really good matches. It's just you know need some fluidity with some some of the stories just didn't make sense yeah i give it a b minus because of some of the booking decisions again as as always aw like in the ring they are consistently great like consistently great but i i do think that like if you're going to compare yourself and you know share ratings and all that with wwe uh you got to up your game a little bit uh you know on some of your booking decisions storyline and you also got to be prepared to take criticism from jackasses like me because I, I do i get a little frustrated with how sensitive so many aew fans i don't get mad when people shit on wwe if it's crappy i'll be right there next to you going this sucks uh but let's not you know just because you like a promotion better act like everything's great because uh you know they've had some swings and misses too luckily most of their you know have been hits but you know it's it's okay to say something's bad just because it's your favorite promotion the absolutely the and, and something that i think we your brain takes out uh and it's something that i've you know because i'm i hate revisionist history like the attitude era as great as it was for the wwe 
Like 1999 was a lot of shit. It's and tough to rewatch some of the attitude, even some of the prime attitude era, like rewatching it going, wow, it really was carried by like a few guys, you know, a few storylines and a lot of bad segments. Yeah. The, what was it? The, uh, the planet of the apes that they did. with yes. uh, Mark Wahlberg. Oh, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, the the I actually still like that film though. But well, but they did this. <laughs> they like, did this, yeah. Where, but like, and and yeah. So I mean, nothing is perfect. I think that that we're not, you know, trolling AEW. Like we, I I think that the reason why the WWE is improved is, is AEW. Yep. Yeah, is that like they didn't like, and in part because from a marketing standpoint, you don't want fans to be like, "This is shit." Mm-hmm. Like you and, and you were getting a lot of that, and I think especially like the WWE's managed to actually maybe it's because they can't go to Saudi Arabia um, and, and really crap on the goodwill. But I feel like we've gotten like WWE's built up some goodwill over the last, you know, other than firing people during the pandemic. Well, then, you've said Sam several times that you feel like we're getting close, and you have to remember these things take time. But we're getting close to a wrestling boom where there's a lot of you know, talent, there's a lot of good storylines, there's a lot of people in the right positions to where if we'll be patient and both companies continue to do what they're seem to be heading in the direction of, we could be heading into something really special for wrestling. Yeah. Um, and I will not be upset if we get something up even better than what the Monday Night Wars was. Cause like you guys said, you know, you go back and look, there was a lot of there was a lot of fluff in between what was the real buzz. There's way right. more talent now than there was in there. That's that's unquestionable. Without a doubt. I, I, right, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And, and they just need to find that storyline. I think that you again, as somebody who listens to 83 weeks and who remembers, because I was, you know, the stuff you remember when you're like 10 years old, 11 years old. Um I think that a lot of what you, what we're waiting on is you need, it takes time to build momentum and we're starting to see that happen. And AEW, you know, uh, Nitro was around, you know, that as I said, I'm very tired, but I'm going to make this point because Nitro was on the air for nine months before the NWO showed up. However, WCW as a company had really existed since like 1990. So it was really six years before we got, mm-hmm. you know, w, we, we got the NW and we got that boom. So we just have to wait and I think be patient and be critical. Um, but also, you know, I think that we're, we're reasonable, you know, none of us are, I'm a WWE mark though. So I'll, I'll admit that, but I still love AEW. We're all uh, WWE marks. And I, the same yeah. thing. I'm very thankful for AEW because this has been a year that, I mean, anything that's entertaining is great. Yeah. And quite honestly, uh, like you guys have said, and I don't mind hammering this home, AEW's impact is that it's made the WWE better. And therefore, and WWE being there is giving something AEW to strive for. So we're getting a lot of really great programming from all of them and NXT. Before we get out of here, guys, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, I want to plug the Fantasy Football podcast. On Wednesdays, we have a podcast called the Weekly Daily Fantasy Football Podcast. Sorry, RC, I know you hate the name, but... Myself and Joe Matz, 
Uh, we go straight off of DraftKings rankings. We give you three players at each position. Each we each give you three players: uh, the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, flex, and defense. Uh, we give you a expensive tier pick, a medium price tier pick, and a bargain tier pick. I can't tell you how good our picks have been lately. Uh, we had six or five quarterbacks this week that out of the six that we gave scored 35 points or more. Uh, the wide receivers yeah, um, yeah, we yeah, gave yeah. this week were Brandon Cooks at 5,500. He scored 18 points. I gave you Terry McLaurin at $6,000. He scored, I think, 32 points. Uh, uh, help me. Thank you. Scary we, uh, we have actually quite a few listeners that are winning uh, money. Uh, thanks to our picks. We're having a blast doing it, and we will have a new episode up. Uh, tomorrow night so we appreciate everybody listening to that and we do ask you if you do win money just to send us a message because we'd like to use that to promote the show um i'm just gonna plug my twitter uh s how 610 uh and the group sign up support the brand become an all-star it's five dollars a month it's worth the money and I'm going to plug, as always, uh, my usual Harvest creditors. Uh, you have any problems on your credit report, uh, get at me. Mention the Team Turnbuckle podcast. Save $100 on starting your credit repair services, including the ability to write your living will, trust, and power of attorney, uh, as well as the Team Turnbuckle Twitter page, as well as Facebook page. So, um, guys, I, I know I'm not usually the one running this show. Uh, Keith, you did a wonderful so job. We appreciate you doing that, Rono. Bro, I, it makes me appreciate you so much more because I know that you're about to run off and get one more in. And the fact that you sent me another, I looked at your outline while one of you guys were talking. The fact that I, I don't call you the hardest working man in podcast land for nothing. I, I really appreciate you guys. And for the shooter, Samuel Howe, for Chief Keefe. This is Ravishing Ron L. Tinsley, and this has been another episode of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast. We will be back for our weekly, uh, likely on Thursday. We'll see you soon, guys. Sounds good.